0: My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we as a family are excited right now to be with you tonight. And we're so glad that you've joined us online. Jesus said where two or three of you are gathered, there I am. We're gathered together, not in the same room, but we are definitely together. And Jesus is right here in the midst of us. In fact, let's welcome him. Amen. Lord, we just thank you right now for being in the middle of us tonight, me, Denise, Paul, Joel, and everybody in our home group. Lord, we worship you and we welcome you into our home group tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, guys. Welcome. Good to see you, Denise.
1: Welcome. I was still praying. I was still worshiping him.
2: Well, welcome, Paul. (laughs) Thank you. Hi, everybody. I've actually been thinking about what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in the same place in my name. I will be in the midst of you. Also, in... uh uh, Psalms 21, t- Psalms 20, uh, verse 4, it says that the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. So we have two places that say the same thing where we're gathered in his name to worship him, he's with us. So we can expect his presence today, right now.
0: Paul, I have to tell you something. I've been reading all the comments on social media, and you are gathering quite a following of people who watch our home group. People are commenting all the time that they enjoy you, your comments, and your humor. My humor? Your humor, so I just wanted to tell you. Well, thank you. I don't intend to be funny, but I like to laugh. Hey, Jill, welcome. It's so good to be with you guys. And we're offering on the TV program, the whole series, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit, with a study guide and my book called The Holy Spirit and You. But I was 14 years old When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was saved when I was five. And I had already been under conviction of sin for a year. I really came under conviction during a sermon preached by a traveling evangelist who was doing a revival in our church. And he preached on hell. You know, don't be afraid that you're going to scare people when you talk about hell. I got saved because of that message. He preached about hell so vividly He described the swirling fires of hell engulfing people. And as a four-year-old, I could see it. And I understood that if I didn't make Jesus the Lord of my life, that's where I would go. Well, finally, by the age of five, I walked the aisle. I gave my heart to Jesus. And I remember by the age of 11, I just really began to wonder, isn't there more than this? You say, at the age of 11? Yeah, really, at the age of 11. And I remember one night I was staying with a friend. The Living Bible had just come out. Then used to remember the old green living Bible.
1: Absolutely. I underlined every scripture. Me in the too. New Testament. I underlined it several times. <laughs> Do you remember the old living Bible when it
0: first came out? The green one? Anyway, we were sitting there with our open Bibles. And we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now we were Baptist kids. His name was Robert. And I just looked at him for some reason and said, You know what? I think I believe those gifts of the Spirit are still in operation. i would never heard anything like that in my life. We didn't even believe in that. A woman in our church, it was rumored that she spoke in tongues. We shunned her and treated her like she had a psychiatric problem. And here I am saying, I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation. It was like a seed was born in my heart that night. And after several years, I began to really search for the truth about the power of God because I just felt like there had to be more. And you know when I really began to feel there had to be more? when we would go out on Wednesday nights to do visitation. I hated visitation. Ay ay, ay Knocking on doors, reading tracts to people. And I remember thinking to myself, what person in the world would want to open their doors to a stranger who wants to come into their house and read a tract to them? And I just hated it. I was afraid of visitation. I didn't enjoy it. I felt powerless and weak. And rather than praying for results on Wednesday night, here's what I would pray. Jesus, I know I'm not supposed to say this. I don't want anybody to hear me. But Lord, I'm asking you that every house we go to this week, tonight, please let there be a big German shepherd in the yard and let there be a sign on the gate that says, beware of dogs so we don't have to go in and knock on doors. I was so terrified to witness. And that's when I really began to search For the power of God, I knew there had to be more. And at the age of 14, January 11th, 1974, I was gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit in my aunt's living room. She was a Pentecostal. We thought she had really strayed because she spoke in tongues. But you know what? When you're hungry for God, you'll go anywhere to get it. And I knew that my Aunt Melita knew something. She had the power of God. And I walked into her house And I said, Aunt Edie, today is the day I want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If my parents had known I was going to do that, they would have been infuriated. And I remember Melita looking at me with big eyes like, oh my goodness, what do I do with this? Ronald and her leader are not going to be very thrilled about this. But I came seeking and we got on our knees and she said, Jesus, Lord, today is my birthday. And I asked you that for my birthday, Ricky would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was her birthday. I didn't even know it. She laid hands on me and I was gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit January 11th, 1974. And everything else that's happened in our life is because of that. Think how many Christians are saved, but they're powerless. They never really impact the world much. It's because they lack the power that was promised in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are to be saved just like the disciples. Guys, when were the disciples saved? Anybody know?
1: When they, uh, in John chapter 20. John
0: chapter 20. When the Bible says Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The word breathe, the Greek word infuse, which means to literally breathe into. It's the same word used in the book of Genesis where the Bible talks about God breathing into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. It is the very same word. When God breathed into Adam's nostrils, that wasn't a prophecy. God breathing on him saying, one day I'm going to give you life. God breathed into him in that moment and he became a living being, a living soul. That's the same word used in John chapter 20. And when Jesus breathed on them, the Greek word says he breathed into them and they received the Holy Spirit. And they became born again. But just a few days later, in Matthew, in Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, Now, go to the city of Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father and don't leave until you be endued with power from on high. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. They were saved. They were already saved. That happened in John chapter 20. But now Jesus was saying there's a second experience you haven't received yet. And really, you can't do your ministry. You can't do life without it. It's not essential for salvation. They were already saved. They already received the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came in them, but now the Spirit was going to come on them, going to clothe them with power. That is a secondary experience, and this week we're going to show you in home group the whole pattern in the New Testament is you get saved, and then there is a secondary experience. Some people call it a second work of grace. That's all right. I think there's many works of grace. God wants everybody to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I received it, you received it, you received it, you received it. I'm sure you received it. If you didn't, you can receive it tonight. Just call us. We'll call you back and we'll pray with you and you'll be gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 I wouldn't be sitting here if I hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. In this chair, I would not be sitting.
0: Amen. Or
2: neither would they or they. Amen. Amen. It is necessary. It is literally something that the Lord has prepared for you. And if Jesus said, I'll send you a comforter or I'll ask the Father and he'll baptize you. If Jesus requested it for his apostles, obviously we need it too. So it's something that we just need to receive and be grateful for. And it really does change your life. Now, sometimes we're afraid of change, especially we're afraid of things that we don't know. We don't actually know how they will affect us. It will be for the better. I can promise that it will be for the better because it's from the father. But don't be afraid of it. Receive it. And it's change that the Lord wants to do in your life.
1: My life was changed Forever. I mean, well,
2: I've never been the same since. The Bible calls it the baptism of the Holy
0: Ghost and yeah. fire. Well, the Holy Ghost represents power. What does fire represent? Purity. Fire is used to empower the big engines of the world. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive power and you receive a new purity, a fire force comes into your life, which also empowers you like an engine to do things you could have never done before. It is an empowering presence. And even Jesus
2: received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I know we want to get to that, but uh, Matthew chapter 3. But th- to me, that's so interesting. Jesus, Son of God, 100% man, 100% God at the same time. Meaning, He had to do everything that we have to do. And when the Bible says that He was tempted and did not sin, that's for us. That's an example for us, so we can follow that example. So when we talk about Jesus receiving water baptism and when Jesus receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's for us so that we can see how it affected Him and we follow His pattern. And when Jesus was introduced by John
0: the Baptist, how did John the Baptist introduce Him? Well, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I think there's a profound truth here. Okay. Matthew 3, verse 11. John the Baptist is speaking to everybody listening. He says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Fire. Now, wait a minute. I would think that John the Baptist would have introduced Jesus as the Savior of the world, but that's not what he did. Mm -hmm. He immediately said when he shows up, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And I think this is important because it tells us right from the very beginning, God's intention was never just to save you. It was also to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Jesus' work is not just to save you and leave you in a powerless condition. He's showing up to
2: save you and to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. I've never noticed that before. It's almost like a misintroduction. You would think he would say the Savior of the world, the one that will die on the cross, the one that will bear your sins. That's not what he says. But he, he talks about something entirely different.
0: It's talking about doing the full work of God in our lives. Wonderful. Isn't that amazing? I've never noticed that. And when it says, he shall baptize you, that word baptize, the Greek word baptizo, which means to fully immerse, to baptize, but wait, wait, wait. The historical meaning of the word baptizo, baptize, is to dip and dye. To dip and dye. Dip and color material. To color material. So if you take a piece of material and you put it in a dye, you dip it in the dye. And you leave it there long enough to totally soak up the new color. So when you pull it out, it looks like a completely new piece of garment. Same word used to describe water baptism when the Bible says we're baptized into Christ. It means when we're baptized, we come out totally soaked up with the presence of Jesus. But in this particular case, it's talking about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, which means God's intention is not that we just get a little touch, but that we soak up the power of the Holy Ghost. We're to soak it up. We're to be filled with it until we're totally radically changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. But hold on, there's something else. Then Matthew 3.13 says, Jesus himself set the example of being baptized in the Holy Ghost, just like Paul said. Look at it. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and to John to be baptized of him, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo... The heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning up on him. I want to say something about the word lo. The word lo, every time you find it in the New Testament, it is an injection of the sentiments of the writer. It's the Greek word, edu. It's like an exclamation point. A better translation would be, here's Matthew's writing about this vent. And he says, and lo, is the equivalent of saying, oh my goodness, can you believe it? This is amazing. This still just stuns me. And lo, he's inserting his own feelings about what he's writing. He is dumbfounded by this. He says, "And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove." It doesn't say he was a dove descending like a dove. It describes the gentleness of the Holy Spirit and lightning up on. Everybody say up on on. Upon is a Greek word, epi. Denise, you didn't say upon. Upon. The word upon literally means upon. And here we find the work of the Holy Spirit to come upon. And we find all over the New Testament when the Holy Spirit comes upon people, he does so to clothe them with power. This was Jesus receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came upon him. Jesus was clothed with power from on high. He was transformed by this experience. And then we're told in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, what happens next, immediately. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a When the Bible says Jesus was led up, it is a Greek word, anago, which literally means to lead upward. Well, Jesus has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit immediately is going to lead him up into a new sphere. That's what happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It takes you up, takes you up into a new level. But he was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness, the word Aramea. It describes a desolate place, off the beaten track, abandoned, nearly forbidden desert the middle of nowhere. And when you read Mark's gospel, Mark adds that it was filled with wild animals. He was there with wild animals. This was not a very pleasant place to be. Why would the Holy Spirit lead him up into this place? And why would this be a place of a new elevated spiritual sphere where Jesus is going to have a breakthrough? Why? We'll read the rest of the verse. To be tempted of. The devil, the word tempted, is a Greek word peradzo. Now let me explain the word peradzo. Let's say that I had a vase here. And somebody said, this vase is unbreakable. Well, what if I want to test it to find out if it's true? The claim is it's unbreakable. But I don't really know that it's unbreakable until I test it. Test it. So to find out if the claim is true, I begin to hit it. I throw it around, I beat it, I slam it against the floor, throw it against the wall, do everything I can to see if I can break it. And if I discover it is unbreakable, then it will live up to its, to its claim, to its claims. That's the word pirazzo. Well, Jesus had just been filled with the power of God. The spirit of God came on him. He's clothed with power from on high to do ministry And immediately he goes into the wilderness, and the devil shows up, and I can just hear the devil saying, oh, so you've received power, have you? Let's check it out. Let's see if this power is really sufficient to withstand an attack. And the devil comes to test the product to see if it's really all that it boasts to be. Is this power really sufficient to withstand an attack? Is it stronger than the power of the devil? And the Bible says he was tempted of the devil. Devil, the Greek word diabolos, which describes one that pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds. So the devil came to test and test and test. Can I break him? Is this force he's received, this power really strong enough to withstand my attacks? And the devil's testing him to see if he can be broken. And the Bible says he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights while he was fasting. And the word fasted here really means a strict fast. No intake of food, no intake of water. And that's why the end of the verse says he was afterwards a hungered. That word hungered means he was famished. All right, Joel, what are you going to be like physically if you haven't eaten or drank any water for 40 days? You'd be almost dead. You'd be emaciated. You'd just be, you'd be so small. It would be, your organs would probably start closing down. You would be physically weak, really, really weak. And so when the devil showed up and began to really lamb blast Jesus, Jesus was in the weakest physical condition That he could be in. But he was about to make an amazing discovery. And here's why the Holy Spirit led him into this place. It was going to be a place of breakthrough, a place of revelation. In that weak physical condition, Jesus really was stronger than all those attacks of the devil. It was a place of revelation where he discovered, wow, what I have received at the river Jordan, when the Holy Spirit came upon me It is so strong that even when I am in my weakest physical condition, I am stronger than the full onslaught of the devil. What a revelation. Is that amazing?
1: That's so powerful.
0: That is just amazing. Then when you come to Luke, Luke adds a few interesting details. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. In Luke, we're told in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. That word full is the Greek word which means full, just like when we're filled with the Holy Ghost. Returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted by the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. This verse says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was tempted of the devil. He did eat nothing. This is just amazing to me. But then when you come to verse 14 and 15, it goes on to say that when all of this was over, he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of him through all the regions about and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. And when the Bible says he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the Greek word dunamis, guys. And the word dunamis, somebody says, oh, well, that's where you get the word dynamite. That's true, but that's really missing the point. The word dunamis was the Greek word that described the full might of an advancing Roman army. There was so much power in Jesus and on Jesus that he became like a single man army. The full power of God in him to drive back the forces of the enemy. And not only that, the word dunamis is the same word to describe, are you ready for this? The force of nature. The same word used to describe a hurricane or tornado or an earthquake, Jesus became like a force of nature because there was so much power on him and operating through him. And he really came to understand how much power he had when he was in that weak, weak condition for 40 days and 40 days in the middle of the wilderness, an arid desert, off-beaten place. In a weak condition, the devil came begin to land blast him and land blast him, and even in his weak condition, he was power than the more powerful than the full onslaught of the enemy
2: and it was only after that, after he was obedient in baptism, after he received the holy spirit, after he was in the wilderness, after he pro- was proved instead of tested, maybe say. Instead of tempting, Proved. You can say he was proved. Then all of a sudden, his ministry begins. You think he was the same person before and after. He could have started his ministry earlier, but he was a different person after that. When he
0: came out of that wilderness, he knew how much power he had. He had stood up against the devil in the most weak human condition. And when Jesus came out of that wilderness, he came out mentally equipped, spiritually equipped. He had a revelation of what he had And when Jesus came out of the wilderness, says he came out in the power of the spirit, he came out like an army, a one-man army, driving back the forces of hell everywhere he went.
1: You know, the devil, he tries to break us but in his trying to break us and we stand because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And then we stand and then we're more aware that we have more power over him after we've been tempted. And so the devil comes to break us, but the Holy Spirit and his power is there to prove us and to show us how powerful we are in him.
0: I'm just thinking about people that are undergoing something right now. It's not a moment to be broken. They have the power to resist. My friend, you have the power to resist. You said, but you just don't know how tired I am. doesn't matter.
1: Jesus hadn't eaten
0: for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungered. He was famished. But he was stronger than all of that stuff. And so are you.
1: There is a power within us that if we tap into it, we're, we're going to do exploits for God if we type into it. We're going to push past the devil's lies. We're going to push into that victorious life that he wants us to have. But it does take some determination and a decision and faith in what he said, that what he said is true and that the greater one truly does live in the inside of us.
0: Amen. Joel? Wow, this is so encouraging. It's wonderful to be with you guys tonight. Thank you, Joel. Good to be with you, too. Good to be with you. But I'm thinking about people that are listening to us at home tonight. Number one, they're either under attack. It's okay. You're stronger than the attack. That's what we learned from Luke chapter 4. You're stronger than the attack if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm also thinking of people tonight who've never received it. You've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know you're saved. You're just like the disciples. When you repented, the Holy Spirit came into you because... He comes into everybody that's saved. Everybody. And by the way, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that doesn't make you a first-class Christian and non-baptized in the Holy Spirit people are second-class Christians. That does not mean that. Don't ever say that to anybody. But when John the Baptist introduced Jesus, he didn't introduce Jesus as the Savior. He introduced Him as the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit, which means God's intention is to save you and to take you into the next work, which is giving you the Holy Ghost and fire. And tonight, you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You can. You can call us. We'll call you back. Send us an email. We'll get in touch with you. We will pray with you, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not so long ago, somebody called our Tulsa office that was in their 90s. They said, we, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And one of our team members prayed with them. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues in their 90s. That's wonderful. Doesn't matter how old you are. Jesus wants you to have this experience and we want to pray for you right now. Denise, would you lead us in prayer?
1: I would love to. Mm. Father, we thank you for your presence right now and those that are are listening and that are hungry and that want to receive. And so right now, just pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I want you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with power. And I want to be a witness for you and and, and fill me with so much, Lord, that I just start speaking with those other tongues. I ask for it right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We're going to pray in tongues with you just for a second to encourage you. Amen. Thank you so much for us tonight.
0: This Amen. is such a good way. You know, when you go to bed tonight, if you pray in tongues, this would be a great way to fall asleep. Amen. Just fall asleep praying in the spirit. What a great way to sleep. go to sleep in the power of God, wake up in the power of God, but we're out of time. But when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to see what you can do when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The kind of power that it gives you to minister to others, it's going to be great. We'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Wow. Wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.